Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Tracking the Storm podcast. I got a text right in the middle of that. I'm Brandon. Stop <laughs> texting me. No, they said. Take two. Uh, I'm Brandon. That's Matt and Alex. It is, what is it, like the third or fourth week of the hurricane summer. I guess I I was going to say of the NHL summer, but there's still a playoff series that I have watched zero seconds of going on right now uh, between the Tampa Bay Lightning and Montreal Canadiens. So, Matt, where do you want to start this week, buddy? Um, I mean, I think we could talk a little bit about the NHL awards. First of all, shout out to Alex Nadalkovich for um, being on the NHL's all-rookie team. Um. Didn't get a single first place vote um, for the Calder. And I don't think he deserved it because I think Kaprizov and Robertson both had better seasons. Um, and it, it would have changed if Ned, you know, started the whole season, you know? Yeah, I think so. But still a huge accomplishment for him. I mean, considering the guy was put on, I mean, again, it's cliche at this point. He was put on waivers and, you know, Shout outs to him. Dougie Hamilton, also on the NHL's second all-star team, is a huge accomplishment. Uh, former Canes prospect, uh, Adam Fox, won the Norris. And um, you know what? It's fine. I, I, I'm, I don't really care um, all that much. The thing that bothers me is that I know that now I'm just going to get a bunch of mentions whenever an NCAA prospect is due for a contract saying like, oh, I'm worried that he won't sign because of Adam Fox. I'm like, dude, Adam Fox doesn't even probably know this guy. Yeah, you know what? Start things off. I'm just I'm gonna go right to bat here for Adam Fox. I'm gonna play devil's advocate a little because, you know, I, I don't think I, I'm not sure the Hurricanes is host like the Hurricanes fan base's hostility towards Adam Fox is justified, and you know it's almost comparable to the Tampa Bay Lightning situation with the uh, the entire cap stuff and the playoffs as as with Adam Fox. It's because the NHL has allowed this to happen. Adam Fox didn't do anything wrong. He He is literally just exploiting the loophole in the NHL's collective bargaining agreement, which is exactly what the Lightning are doing as well. So I don't think think fans should be mad at Adam Fox. I don't think fans should be mad at the Tampa Bay Lightning. What they should be mad at is the NHL for allowing this to happen. What I do want to say is that forcing players to sign with the team that drafts them wouldn't be a good look, you know? I'm sure it'd be fine, but if you're going to be – if it's like the MLB where you're almost like stuck with the same team – until you're 26 that's just not gonna 
I don't know. I, I feel like that's like a lot of players just aren't going to enjoy it. And I mean, I just feel like it would be a bad look for the league. So, yeah. I mean, like Fox did nothing wrong. And I, I don't even think it should be a rule saying, you know, you can't like request a trade just to play with like a certain team. I mean, you know, it's, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, it's the different route of, um, of a minor career that kind of amplifies um, like the decision-making more in the NCAA process where we see this kind of thing more often. And it, it's a little more magnified in that case because, you know, th- these guys are usually a little further along in their development than uh, junior players. So it's at a point where, you know, you're excited about this player as an organization. Like we all knew full well that Adam Fox looked like he was going to be a pretty good NHL player. Um, so, and, and, you know, you've seen it in the past too, guys like Justin Schultz and uh, who like Jimmy VC and some other guys who've exploited this. And as long as the CBA allows this to happen, we're going to see it again. It's, it's going to be something that just keeps continuing and continuing. Um, and, you know, uh, credit to Adam Fox, but, you know, a lot of people forget that when the Hurricanes initially traded Adam Fox's rights, where they were at as a defense group was a lot different than where they're at now, right? I mean, when Adam Fox was... Uh, yeah, I think he was after his his freshman year um, at that point when the Hurricanes acquired him. And um, th- this whole thing kind of unfolded. It might have been after his junior year, I think, actually. It was his junior year, and he was coming into the NHL ready to make the jump from Harvard where he'd kind of proven everything that he already needed to do. Um, and the Hurricanes' defense was it was a lot different back then. They still had the top three guys that they had this season with Pesci Slavin and Dougie Hamilton. Um, they had Calvin DeHaan. They still had Justin Falk back then. Um, Hayden Fleury really looked like he was turning a corner at the time. Uh, Trevor Van Reems, like they they had a lot of bodies. And with where the Hurricanes were at as a group coming off their their long run deep into the postseason in 2019, it was a situation of where, you know, they they couldn't necessarily guarantee Adam spot Adam Fox a roster spot uh, heading into the next year because there were still some unknowns with Fox at the time. Like a lot a lot of people had questions about how his foot speed would transition into the league, and it, it was just it, it wasn't a situation where the Hurricanes could have said, all right, we're going to sign you and you're going to have a spot in our top four or even in our top six because they had so much competition at the spot. And and listen, like Adam Fox was a year away from walking into unrestricted free agency. He would have went back to Harvard. He would have played his senior season there. And then he would have left. So I, I think the Hurricanes organization really deserves a ton of credit for where they took a guy that didn't want to play for their team and they didn't really have a defined role for. And they turned him into three three pretty damn good prospects. Like they got two second round picks for him. They traded back in 2019, picked up Jamison Reese and Anthony Honka. And then last year they took Noel Gunler, who is a projected mm-hmm. first round pick by a lot of people. Uh, so you get three guys who have a pretty bright future in your organization if they continue to develop the right way. Um, and like, you know, at the time we didn't really know what Fox would be. Yeah. He's turned into a Norris winner and he's had a great season, but um, you know, hindsight is 2020. And at the time, I, I don't think you can. I don't think you can really fault either side for going the way they went. Uh, the Hurricanes made the best of a bad situation, and you know Fox ended up where he wanted to go. So I think it's kind of a situation where there shouldn't really be any hostility to Fox, and we should definitely commend Don Waddell and the Hurricanes' group overall for for getting the return they did for the player, and uh, it's kind of worked out for both for both sides in the end. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, considering the fact that Fox wasn't going to sign here. And that the team knew it. And I mean, also for what it's worth, Calgary knew he wasn't going to sign with them either. That's why they felt comfortable moving him, you know? Yeah. 
like Calgary fans are probably like, well, you know, we probably should have kept Fox, but they, they, the, the organization knew that he wasn't going to sign there. So like, yes, it's going to stink seeing Fox succeed, but if you, if you remove like any hopes of signing him, like there were no hopes for the Carolina hurricanes to sign him. He, he was dead set on the Rangers and that's cool. Um, the fact that they got something for him is huge. Um, is Adam Fox the next Jack Johnson for Canes fans to boo? Oof. He has to be, right? Man. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like he's not going to get a very warm. And I mean, I don't think he ever has. Um, but like, I feel like Adam Fox is going to kind of be the uh, the next Jack Johnson. It it, it just kind of sucks in hindsight, though, right? Because I remember Don Waddell saying he's like, uh, "We are ninety nine point nine. I think he said ninety nine point nine percent confident as an organization that Fox is going to sign with us." I do. You know the, the point. The point. I remember him saying they felt prevailing. confident. I'm pretty sure it was ninety. I'm pretty sure he said ninety nine point nine percent. Or at least ninety nine. I think he said you, something like that. Yeah. What are you gonna say? Like you just acquired like a top prospect and you just yeah. traded away two huge pieces. Like you have to say something positive. You're not just gonna be like, oh yeah, he's a throwaway player. We hope you'll sign. The <laughs> fan base is gonna be pissed as hell. Yeah. I mean they but made it like, work. I mean, I get it. I get it. You know, like he had to say something, and I think, you know. What hurts is that the Canes included him in like the development camp videos and stuff. And like they were clearly trying to hype this guy up. And it's just like, you know, don't think anybody thought it was ever going to happen. So, yeah. That's all we got on that situation. (laughs) Stop complaining about him. It's really okay. So, moving on, we are going to go back through and assign grades to each Carolina Hurricanes player. On the 2020-21 season, which should just be called the 2021 season since it was not actually played at any point in 2020. Anyway, let's pull up a roster. <laughs> I don't remember who played for the team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to be honest. I actually didn't prep anything at all for this. So uh, Neither did I. This it's is... going to be interesting to see how this one goes. Yeah, I know. Well, this is what you did last time. You just said, all right, you know what, I'm going yeah, to long, long day of work. Didn't really have time to get set up for this. But, uh, yeah, I'm just going to. I had all day and still didn't get set up. Yeah, I, well, we, t- we talked about doing this, like, right before, like, what are we going to do for the podcast? Right. So like, all right, let's just do grades. Back to it. All right. The first player in this alphabetical list, Sebastian Ajo. I mean, his initial starts with an A. I think I've got to give him, I, I got to give him an A. I mean, listen, I think it was a pretty good year for Sebastian Ajo, where he was without his running mate, Tavo Teravainen, for a lot of the year, and he still produced... As, about as good as he ever has in his career, right? Um, and in the playoffs, he was probably the Hurricanes' best threat consistently. Um, I, I can't really think of anything that I would have expected Aho to do better this year. Um, it was over a point per game, um, played all situations. I mean, he's he's just exactly what we expect from him at this point. So it's an A for me. Yep, he's. I mean, the face of the franchise at this point. Uh... And I mean, you know, he he leads this team to victory. He, he multiple times this season, he was the one carrying the team, led led the team in goals and assists. Um, which you know, obviously, you want your top player to do, but that is still pretty crazy given the fact that you know the Canes did have one other twenty goal scorer and a couple guys, you know, in the twenties in terms of assists. Um, and he was also a point per game player in the playoffs. Uh, 
definitely one of the team's just most consistent players now. And I mean, there's no way he doesn't deserve anything higher than, you know, an A+. Yep, all right, we started with a boring one. Now we'll get to one pretty quickly that should <laughs> actually uh, give us some decent uh, conversation here. That is rookie defenseman Jake Bean. Oh, by the <laughs> way, I don't think I ever actually gave a grade for Ajo. Um, yeah, I'm going to give him an A, too. I don't really know what else to, you would expect so, uh, to give uh, him. Are, when we, are we just going to go with, like, A, B, C, D, F? Or are we going to use the pluses yeah. and minus? Or what? No, just A, B, C, D, F. ABCDF. Okay. For, you know what? For Jake Bean, then I'm going to go with, I think I got to go with a C and, um, listen, I, I, as much as I like Jake Bean, um, I, I think he's going to be a good player. It's just, he, he, the way he defends, I've been saying it, it, it just, it worries me a little bit about his long-term development. Um, someone definitely needs to work with him because defending the upright, the way he does is just never going to work at the NHL level. He's got to get low. He's got to use his leveraging. Um, but you know, we saw how dynamic he can be offensively, great skater, um, had some good moments running the power play. Um, you know, things kind of fell apart from in the playoffs, but it's expected at that, that high level. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think as far as a rookie season goes, I, I think Jake Bean had a, had a fine season. Um, he's definitely going to keep learning. He's going to keep growing. He just turned 23. So it's not like this guy's a finished product. Um, but yeah, he, he definitely has a little bit of work to do. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm pretty happy with this season overall. Um, yeah, I would probably say C's about right. Like, I, I don't know. I don't really want to just piggyback off of what you said, but I don't want to be much harder on him than that, and I'm definitely not going to give him any better grade than that. Um, he has a lot of potential still, and we – I mean, like Alex said, we saw a lot of moments where you saw what he could be moving the puck. He has great vision. He works the blue line really, really well. I really want to see him hunt for his shot more. That's, that's something he didn't do enough. He's got a really good little snap wrister um, that he can get through. He can pick corners with it from distance. And we saw that in the playoffs, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Was that that goal wasn't deflected, was it? That goal he scored against. I think I think it went off um, a. Prepper. I think it did tip off of a Tampa player. Okay. Yeah. After I said that, that's kind of what I thought. But still, I mean, I've seen him do that in the AHL plenty, where even from a distance he can pick corners. He can. Um, go upstairs with it he can get it through he can hit people on the tape for deflections like he's really good at that and you know he just deferred too much he was just too he didn't have his confidence that he's going to need to you know get comfortable in the NHL and play to his potential so next year is going to be a really big year for him obviously you can't be too hard on him he's a rookie defenseman trying to learn how to play at the at hockey's highest level and he definitely had his struggles but um He's another player that I, I think gets a lot of flack. You know, a lot of Kane's Twitter is always hating on him and never wants to see Jake being again, yada, yada. And I think the team likes him a little bit more than that, and there's a reason for that. So hopefully next year we see a stronger Jake Bean. We see Jake Bean come out and uh, start to make good on his potential. So I have one thing to say before I give my grade. I'm going to get real close to the mic for this. Not every offensive defenseman is going to turn into Ryan Murphy. <laughs> do I need do I need to repeat that? Let me do it again. Not every offensive defenseman is going to turn into Ryan Murphy. Okay. Thank now you, here's my grade. Jake Bean got a C. There were flashes of brilliance throughout the whole year. I mean, we saw that 
he was able to lead defensemen with his eyes and make those passes that, I mean, for a while there, every pass that he made was in the back, was getting in the back of the net, you know? So there was a point in the season when teams started to figure Bean out and then his confidence slipped and then it was just all downhill from there. But he's at the age where you you saw the the flashes of good play from him and there was more in his game that very clearly just wasn't there. I mean, this was a weird season. And I said this earlier on, um, God, it was probably a couple months ago, like there really weren't a whole lot of times where the Canes were able to like sit down and work and like actually practice and kind of help Bean because the schedule was so short. So like, you know, they were just like, hey, you know, you made this mistake, like, let's talk about it. But he didn't really get to work on that. And he didn't really get to improve on that as much as he would if it, the season was spread out longer. Would have had more time to practice on it, you know? So, like, I'm still giving Bean the benefit of the doubt. He gets a C. And, I mean, I do think Seattle at least considers picking up Bean. Um, so it's possible that he might not be on the roster next year. But I think if he is, he's going to be improved because um, he's a smart guy and he knows what to do. It's just like his confidence got rocked this year. And once that happened, it was just all downhill from there. All right, moving right along. Next on the list is free agent. Uh, yeah, fuck. My brain is just like not here tonight. All right, next on the list is none other than free agent signing in the summer of 2020 or i guess it was like later than the summer when <laughs> last off it's like winter yeah um but last off season uh yes for fops and for me i'll start this one off yes for fops gets a b um i've said this on the podcast a couple of times actually i think he's a guy that people don't really appreciate how good he was for a majority of the season and, and I, I get it because he's kind of redundant, you know, he's kind of in that same vein as so many players on the roster. Um, Warren Fogel, Brock McGinn, Jordan Martinook, even Steven Lorenz, and that grinder that's not going to, you know, put up a lot of stats and score a bunch of goals, but he's going to do a lot of little things that help a hockey team win. And he definitely did that. So for me, uh, he gets a B. Um, he's a good player. You know what? For all those reasons that you basically just listed, I'm going to give him a C because I was maybe just expecting a little bit more. Um, you know, he's a guy that he spent a, quite a bit of time in the top six. Um, he spent the entirety of the year on the second power play unit. And I just, I never really feel that he really contributed a whole lot offensively. I know he did have uh, 19 points in 46 games, which, you know, for his role, isn't really that bad. Um, but I was just maybe expecting a little bit more. Um you know, I, I do agree with you that, you know, maybe Kane's Twitter was a little harsh on him at time is because he didn't quite have the impact that, you know, maybe you were expecting, especially with the roles he was deployed in. Um, but I just found like a lot of times he was kind of just a, a bit of a passenger. Um, if, I, if I wasn't specifically looking for him, I'd have a tough time noticing him, which you know, wasn't really necessarily a bad thing. But he, he just didn't really stand out to me in a way that I would consider giving him higher than a C. I think he was fine. I think he has a little room to grow, and I think he's a good third-line player, but I wouldn't really put him any higher than that. So it's a C. Um, so for everybody's reasoning, 
there like i, I kind of feel like i have to be in the middle because it's like i do acknowledge that Foss did a lot and was a pretty positive player on the team's bottom six this year but it's like the canes already had a lot of that in their bottom six and so when they acquired him i was like cool you know like he he's just another warren fogel he's another you know rock again he's another jordan you know like it, it's just like at some point you you bring in too many lower tier third line guys or like defense first third line guys like it, it's just like you're not going to get any offense out of your bottom six and we kind of saw that this year um like fast was fine in the offensive zone but i just don't think the third line really carried play unless it was Jordan Stahl kind of doing things on his own this year. So like C plus to a C for me. I don't I can't go as high as a B. Um yeah, Foss just he was okay. And that's fine. I just I just definitely think you need to improve on your bottom six. All right, we're not gonna include Hayden Flurry in the rankings because he didn't he didn't finish the season with the team, but we we all agree that he's an undisputed A, um, undebatable, um, absolute legend. Franchise will never recover. Um, free Hayden Flurry, and uh, okay, we can move on. All right, I'm. I think I'm too tired to even acknowledge that. All right, up next on the <laughs> list is Warren Fogle. Um, well, part of the reason we're doing <laughs> well. <laughs> Yeah, part of the reason sums it up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, part of the reason we're doing this is you know to look forward to next year. You know, obviously these are last season's grades, but we're doing this with next year in mind. Um, And Fogel, I I, yeah, (laughs) I just got on Kane's fans for like never wanted to see Jake Bean again, kind of thing. Those kind of tweets. And I don't want to be that guy that's like, oh, I never want to see Warren Fogel again. I'm not going to be that guy. But, like, I just think this is the guy the Hurricanes need to be moving on from to try it to. It does seem like that, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, it, that's just the most logical place to upgrade your roster. Get some more scoring on that third line winger spot and let him go get more money in a bigger role somewhere else if that's what he really thinks he deserves. Because I think his contract and his role last year was pretty well suited for what he is, just not really on a true Stanley Cup contender. Um, so I'm going to give him a C. You know, he, he had his moments, obviously, and he brings a lot to the team from an intangible standpoint. But I think the Hurricanes need to start looking for more material contributions. I don't know if that really makes sense. You, you get what I'm saying, like, you know. They need to be looking at more pucks in net unless boom, yeah. boom, smash. That said it right. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I agree. Like the player, like the kid. Um, I think he can help out a lot of teams in this league. I just think that it's kind of at the point where I think both sides just need a fresh start. Um, the Hurricanes might be better off, and Warren Fogel might be better off in a different environment where he gets a bit more of a role. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I give him a C for the year. Um, I thought I thought he was fine. Did exactly what I expected from him. But yeah, I, I I agree with you guys. I think that uh, I think that Warren Vogel will definitely move on. Yeah, again, sees all across the board here. It looks like Vogel um, is a fine 
I would even argue that he would be one of the best fourth line players in the league, you know, but when it comes to playing on an NHL third line, he leaves a lot to be desired. Um, It's also kind of like the Lucas Walmart thing, you know, where it's like, he's a really good fourth line player. But as soon as you put him up in the lineup, it's just like, he can't compete anymore. It's like, there's a point where, you know, you're looking at a guy who at best is probably good for 30, 35 points and saying, you know what, if I can get a guy that could even get like 10 more points than him in a season for, you know, a little bit more, I'm going to do it because the Canes already have a bunch of Warren Vogels on their team. Well, they did. They did. Yeah. Out of, you know, the guys that they have, if we're looking towards next year, Vogel's one of those guys where I think, of course, you'd love to keep him, and I think the Canes would consider it um, if the cap did increase this year. But I think his spot is probably the most, uh, the easiest to upgrade. I guess is how. And you, you know it. what? We'll, we'll get into it a little more later. But I, I personally feel that I think Morgan Geeky, um, he's going to be a lot cheaper than Fogel, and I think if he's deployed in the same role as Fogel, I, I think he can give you very similar production. Sure, uh, if not more. So let's right. get into Jake Gardner. I'm going to give Jake Gardner an incomplete because he didn't really play the entire season, right? He played, um, let me... Less than half wait, of the games. 26 games out of 56. Um, in those games, he generally looked pretty good. He looked like Jake Gardner. Um, you know, he looked like what we expect from him. Great puck mover, obviously fantastic in, in transition. Helped out the power play when he was on there. Um, definitely had his best moments beside Brett Pesci, but like, like, like I said, I'm going to give him an incomplete because we don't really know his health situation. Um, I, I'm not sure he was at his, uh, I'm not sure he was at hundred percent for most of the year. Um, and you know, we saw what happened in the playoffs where he was kind of phased out, whether that be because of injury, because of scheme or whatever the case, I, I just, I'm not sure it's fair to give him a grade. Um, I, I do think that if he can get back healthy, He's definitely a player that can that can really help out this group. I'm not sure you're ever going to get four million dollars worth of production out of him, um, but he's he's definitely a player that that can definitely benefit the Hurricanes, especially from a puck moving sense from the back end. We saw how they kind of struggled without him at times, especially moving the puck through the neutral zone and transitioning out of their defensive end. Um, so he, he's definitely a player that the, a lot of the flack he gets to is a little unwarranted. Um, I've always said. If if the Toronto media and Toronto fans didn't make Jake Gardner to be this huge scapegoat and the, the worst thing since I don't know the worst thing since Ryan Murphy, you know what I mean? Like it's just I feel like a lot of the hate he gets now is because of the environment he was in previously, uh, just kind of the reputation that's followed him. And um, I feel like if he didn't have that, uh, fans would be a lot more neutral on Jake Gardner. But uh, I'm going to give him an incomplete and uh, hope he's back next year. We'll see if that happens, but uh, I, I think he can definitely still help this group. So with Gardner, it's tough because I agree. I'll give him an incomplete. So I think it's unfair to say, you know, you only played in half the season, less than half the season. Let's give you a grade right now. In that same breath though, I think if you're looking for a guy that's on your power play, which he was, and like you're looking at eight points, eight assists in 26 games, which in a normal 82-game season, that's a 25-point pace. You're looking for more out of a top-four defenseman. You are, and you should be. I think that 
with Gardner this year, it's clear that he can be an offensive force. It's just like, he just didn't do enough. And I get that he might be hurt, but at some point, it's been two seasons now. When is Jake Gardner going to be the player that he can be? You know, it's almost like we're waiting on him to be something that he just hasn't been so far. And it's just starting to get a little frustrating. Like if if I'm at this point, I'm banking on Jake Bean because he looked better, you know, and it's nothing against Jake Gardner, but he's on a way more expensive deal. And he's almost 10 years older. So I know the Canes were looking to trade him. I would be shocked if there were any takers whatsoever. I'm very curious to see what um, what happens with Gardner this offseason. Yeah, me too. And the only thing I'll really add, I still think the Hurricanes' like dream scenario is getting Seattle to take him off their hands, get that contract off the books, only thing is just how much is that going to cost in terms of prospect slash pick capital. All right. Next on the list is, I guess he was technically still a rookie, um, but forward Morgan geeky and geeky's a guy that I, and I think a lot of people would have liked to see more of. Um, he had his moments where he kind of didn't seem to be in a rhythm, didn't have his confidence really, but he also had the typical Morgan geeky moments where he's making plays below the goal line. Um, he showed good chemistry with Steven Lorenz. I would really like to see that make up two thirds of your fourth line next year, or maybe, you know, even one of those guys gets moved up the lineup, I guess it's possible, but I think they're a good pairing together. You know, they got that roommate chemistry and um I give Geeky, I think a B minus feels about right for him. Um, Because a B might be a little bit high, but a C is too low. (laughs) Obviously, that's what B minus means. Um, Good young player. He's one of the guys that you can look to to put the puck in the net a little bit more. And obviously, he's got the net front presence that the Hurricanes could really use a lot more of. Yeah, I agree. Um, For me, Geeky gets a C just because, like, Again, he's a rookie. Production wasn't where it could have been, but I I do think ice time, his ice time limited his effectiveness. I mean, he was averaging like barely 10 to 12 minutes a night, I think. And I mean, no player is going to really get a chance to shine with those minutes. It's just, um, I saw certain, I saw some flashes in Geeky's game that impressed me. Um, It's just the overall season. I don't think he, like staked his claim as a top nine forward. He more just looked comfortable in a fourth line role. Jesus Christ. Yeah, um, I'm actually gonna give Morgan Yeehee an incomplete. Um, I just just kind of because I don't really know how to grade him. Uh, he played 36 games. Um, the first like 20 of, or so of those games, I thought he was kind of invisible. Uh, he just didn't really look like the same player that he looked last year when he came in. Wait, how many games um, did he play? He played 36. Um, Geeky? Yeah, Geeky. Played 36 games, had three goals, six assists. Like I said, for the first 20, 20 or so of those games, I just thought he was kind of invisible, kind of a passenger. It didn't really stand out at all. Uh, but but for the last about 15, 16 of those games, um, especially as the season wore on, I thought he was pretty pretty damn good. Uh, he was very effective. Uh, we saw his vision from below the goal line. Uh, he was engaged physically. He was going to the net. Did a lot of the, a lot of the things that he's been built for. 
Um, so it, it's going to be an incomplete for me because, you know, we kind of saw the good of the Morgan Geeky. We kind of saw a little of the bad of him. Um, so I, I don't really know where to stand on him. We didn't really see him a ton in the playoffs. Um, if we can get that guy from the second half of the season, I, I think he's got a lot of tools to be a good top nine forward in this league. I'm optimistic moving forward with Morgan Geeky. I think he's a good player, and I think we're going to see that next year. Alex is always over here taking the coward's way out. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. You, um, you're incomplete grades. Up next on the list is Eric Jelena. Um, what? <laughs> <laughs> he's on the roster. <laughs> Man, you you put Jelena on the roster, but you were willing to so, skip over Hayden Flurry. You know what? Just end this podcast. Right. Just end it. All right, the actual Brandon, next Brandon, we'll go ahead and start our own. <laughs> okay. No, um, I did have a question for you guys though. If if we felt that it's not fair to grade Hayden Flurry, is it fair to grade Yanni Hockenpah, considering no. he played no. in less games than Flurry? I don't think so. Okay. I don't really think it's worth it because I think it's time the organization is done anyway. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I guess that's all I'll really say on Hockenpah. Like, I, he wasn't here because he was like all right. The he one thing yeah, he'll be known he for was that he looked like Chris Hemsworth, and that's that's it. <laughs> he wasn't terrible, but he didn't really provide the physical presence consistently enough to really give the Hurricanes any reason to keep him around. And uh, I think that's another thing they're going to be in the market for this offseason is a thumping right shot defenseman. All right, and next, none other than unrestricted free agent, Dougie Hamilton. So I feel like I'm saying it's so weird. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm Douglas gonna, Jonathan Hamilton. Yeah, Douglas Hamilton. Yeah. All right, all right. I, I'm going to be oh. a little. I don't know if it's harsh, but it's like a B B plus range for me. Uh, what? It is. It is unbelievable. It, he was no, fourth in the Norris voting. <laughs> but bro, we all know. We all know that the Norris Trophy voting is mostly based on points. You're you're never going to look at at the Hurricanes roster and say Dougie Hamilton is our best defenseman. You're just not going to do it. And no. Jacob Slavin was like 14th on the voting. Pesci was yeah. 16th. I know. It irritates me. It yeah, and matter, Pesci should have been we know, it's, we know what it's about. I'll, I'll probably go with like a B plus because, listen, we we know exactly what Dougie Hamilton is at this point. We've seen it for three years. Uh, he's obviously a great, great offensive presence. Runs the power play one. Um, he, he gives a lot to the team offensively. But it's just the effort level and the overall IQ defensively. It just comes and goes. We saw when Jacob Slavin wasn't in the lineup, how much of a difference that did make. Uh, listen, like, I, I don't really care what the advanced stats say. Like, I know the stats guys are trying to say that, oh, you know, the stats show that Dougie Hamilton is actually better without Slavin. Like, we, you watch the game and you see the opposite. Like, sometimes the eye test has to come into play. We we saw the, the one extreme to the other. Um, And, and listen, I, I, I do think that the Hurricanes would suffer with Dougie Hamilton out of the picture especially if he's not back next year, you know, trying to replicate the success you had with him is going to be difficult. But it's just uh, based on the season he had, I cannot justify an eight-year contract. I can't justify the big money. Um, and I can't justify an A grade. He just he, just a little bit too much um, to be desired defensively for me. Harsh critic. and But I like you're, defensemen who can defend, who can play You're physical. roasting me for giving Alex Nilkovich a B in the midterms. Especially at six foot you, seven, 210 you pounds. Like, use your Dougie size. Dougie Hamilton a, a B. B plus after having plus. a season, the season that Dougie Hamilton had, this would have been a 62 plus point season in a normal 82 game year. 
You know, I, I actually think a B plus is pretty fair because about half of of the Hurricanes fan base would probably give them a D or an F, and I'm not joking. Well, half the Hurricanes fan base is moronic. Then, like, <laughs> sorry guys, but like Dougie Hamilton, like if you're a fan sitting there wishing, like, yes, I understand wanting more from him defensively, but it's like when you're getting nearly like. When you're getting 42 points in 55 games in the regular season from this guy, I mean, that's, that's great. You take that out of your lineup, you're literally losing at least five or six more hockey games than you would have. At least, you know? You cannot replace Dougie Hamilton's production on this team. And I think, you know, the fact that if the Hurricanes do let him go to free agency, the fact that they'll take that much of a step backwards in terms of offense, like that means that Dougie Hamilton gets an A because it shows that he is so important to this team. Right. Like, but that's, listen, on the flip, on the flip on side it. of this, Tyson Berry led all NHL defensemen in points. You're going to give him an A? Yeah, because he's playing with freaking Connor McDavid, bro. I could get 42 points playing with Connor McDavid. I mean, look at the Hurricanes' first power play unit. It's not a bunch of slouches. No, but they're not Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. Yeah, like, they're not the best forward combination the league has seen in a long time. Tyson Berry like is very good offensively, and he's very bad defensively. Dougie Hamilton happens to be very good offensively. And I'd say average defensively across the league. I was going to say average, but that almost seems like a bit too generous. I don't think it is just given the fact that the Canes have so many good defensemen. Not many other team have teams have this many good defensemen. I, I yeah. just think like you have to give Dougie an A after this, uh, the season that he had. Oh no, Brandon, what do you think? Uh, I'm with Alex. I don't think he was good enough defensively to give him an A. And, I mean, the points are great. I, I don't know. I, I just I, – I, I lean more, more towards what Alex was saying about the lack of defense, the slow foot speed. Like, he just, he just didn't look that good. And I, I feel like a lot of his points kind of got racked up early in the season when the Hurricanes power play was inexplicably clicking at an unsustainable rate. And yes, he generated a lot of offense, but I don't know. I just, it's hard for me to give him an A. I just don't think he was, by his standards, which we've already established, that's kind of how we grade this. It's like, you know, obviously the curve for Sebastian Ajo is going to be different than it's going to be for Morgan Geeky. Right. So by his standards, I don't think it was an A season. I think it was a B this season. Was his, this was unquestionably his best season as a Hurricane. Really? Because I, 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 last year, I last kind of liked good. him last year better. Last I'm, I'm going to be honest. I, I thought he was better last year. You know what? Like, okay, yeah, I'll agree with that. It's just, you know, th- he got hurt. Um, yeah, yeah, but up till then. But yeah, um, I, I feel like I feel like Kane's fans take Dougie Hamilton for granted. Oh, I think I think you're unquestionably head on there. But listen, it's just a situation for me where a lot of Dougie Hamilton's flaws at times, it almost looks like a lack of effort. You know what I mean? Like it's, 
I don't know. Does it only I, look I, like a lack of effort because his I, like, foot speed's a little I, slow? That's why. Like, I'm not sure if I want to equate it to uh, how big he is and how the way he moves or his lack of foot speed or what exactly it is. But listen, with Dougie Hamilton, the one thing I always think back to is the 2019 playoffs, game five, when Ovechkin had him lined up along the boards. And Hamilton kind of stepped out of the way, let, let Ovechkin take the puck, centered it out, and then the Capitals scored to make it like 4 nothing. And I always say if the Hurricanes didn't come back and win that series, the, the fan base never would have let Dougie live that down. And the only reason I'm kind of linking that to this now is that that's kind of the impression that's kind of stuck with me. So anytime I see Dougie Hamilton, you know, get burnt or look maybe a little slow on the back check or whatever, I kind of just equate it to maybe an overall little lack of effort. And it's just kind of how it looks optically. Is is he trying his hardest? Like, I, I assume so because he's a professional. He's a great player. But it's just, it, it's tough for me to draw the line, especially after that moment, which is just, it, it's still very fresh in my mind. Um, like I said, I, I give I would give Dougie Hamilton an A based on what he did offensively because there's no question that he impacts the game from the back end, head and shoulders better than any Hurricanes defenseman. And you cannot debate that. But on the counterpoint of that, we kind of saw how Dougie Hamilton looked in the playoffs, especially without Jacob Slavin by his side. Um, and like I said, the, the stats just don't support what the analytics community is saying. Um, so for me, like what Brandon said, it's kind of a situation where I expect Dougie Hamilton to be elite offensively because that's what he's built to be. I was just kind of hoping for maybe a little more overall growth to his complete game, especially in the defensive zone. Um, part of it is the matchups that he gets. Yeah, that, that's that's fair as well. Uh, that's why I gave the plus. That's why I gave him the B plus. Right. You can't well, forget that 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 plus. The I'm plus, still the giving plus him. Means a lot. I'm still giving him an A, which means a lot more than a plus. But um, that's fine. Anyways, that's fair. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't fault you for that grade. Um, but yeah, I just I, I'd like to see a little more overall growth, especially if that's a guy that. I'm going to give a max term, max length contract to. Yeah. Okay. So now we'll talk about um, friend of the podcast, Stephen Lorenz, who gets a C plus from me. I thought he fit in well um, on the fourth line this season. I thought he kind of made Jordan Martinuk expendable, um, which, you know, we'll kind of get to that in a little bit, but um, when and I think any time you take away a roster spot from somebody, it's because you've earned it, especially in Rod Brindamore's system, you know, like there are no free rides. Um, thought he and Geeky developed some chemistry. It's just, you know, when we're looking at fourth line play, you're looking at Steven Lorenz got 12-ish minutes a night. Like, was kind of hoping I'd see a little bit more from him, but the fact that he's now established himself as an NHLer, I think is a good step. So I'm going C plus there just because I think it was a good season, but not great. Yeah. I'm not really sure I can add much to what you just said. I'm right there with you. Um, if anything from Lorenz, you know, he had a lot of good looks offensively, just finishing kind of kind of hampered him this season, right? He only scored two goals in 45 games. He had a lot of chances. Like he could have easily scored. Could more have probably than scored like 15. Yeah, I know. So, you know, that's one thing for him to, to work on in the off season, get to that, uh, get to the shooting trainer, um, start shooting some pucks at the net, uh, work on his finishing. Um, and, and, you know, I think he can be a good player. He's, he's obviously a good fourth line center right now. Uh, took that role from pocket. Uh, Hurricanes never looked back, thankfully. And uh, yeah, I was, I was happy with Lawrence's season. Yeah, pretty much. Um, 
I'm going to give him a little bit higher than you guys. I'm going to give him a B minus because his role on this team is not scoring. But I will say, I think there's definitely more of that in his game from what I saw in his time in the AHL. And he was just snake bitten, man. Cause it's not like he like fired a bad shot or like shot back into the goalies. It's like they made great diving saves on him consistently. And to some degree, that's not really on him. Yes, he could have probably done better and bared down and score. But, you know, we saw his first NHL goal where he had a beautiful backhander that went in the top corner. Like, he's got talent. He's got the ability to finish in tight spaces. I've seen him do it in the minors, and I think he'll do it more at the NHL level. I think we can expect 10 to 15 goals from him next season. It's almost um, shades of uh, Joachim Nordstrom, eh? Like, it's like no matter what he did, he just couldn't score. Like, Joachim Nordstrom, he'd do like a, a 360 spinorama in front of net, and he still couldn't bury it. Don't compare <laughs> my I kind of feel like the same for Lorenz, you know? Get off my podcast comparing Lorenz. I just, man, like, I've never seen anybody. There's two things with, jo- with Joachim oh, Nordstrom. Right. I've never seen anybody get crushed in every single game and have so many grade A scoring opportunities just stopped point blank. Yeah. That's a. I don't want to talk about him anymore. (laughs) Next on the list, (laughs) Matt did just mention him and say we would talk about him later. That later is now. Another pending free agent that's dad is stirring up all kinds of things on Facebook. Jordan Martinuk. I don't have much to say here. (laughs) That best to see. Um. He just he's just Jordan Martinick is what he is. Um, it, what for, it, he's nine. a fourth line player. Um, he's a fourth line player that the Hurricanes have casted as higher than that at times. We see the results; it just doesn't work out. He's a fourth line guy, great leadership guy, great in the locker room. I mean, you can't say enough about Jordan Martinick, the person. But uh, as far as his on ice contribution goes, he's not worth the two million dollars he was making, and it's it's a spot that the Hurricanes can improve on, even if it's just putting Morgan Geeky in a lineup on a permanent basis. I think they can get more production from that spot. Um, you know, from a personal standpoint, it's going to be hard to see Martin go, just knowing what he means to the team, what he means to the fan base. Obviously, just a top notch guy, but uh, you know, it's a business, so I think uh, I, I think that's a spot where the Hurricanes should look elsewhere. Yeah. Um. For me, I'm giving Martinuk a D, and it's it's nothing against the guy at all. I think he's a good, he's a great person. I mean, he, he does a lot for not only the community, just the fans in general. Like, you can't say a bad thing about Martinuk as a person, you know. I I just with the contract that he is on. And like, you just expect more from him, you know, like I'm expecting more from a guy making $2 million. And I think I'm the only one to have given him a grade, (laughs) which kind of says like, you know, just, we weren't impressed with Martinuk this season. I don't think he was very good on the fourth line and the, the, the analytics don't really back it up either. He, I think was one of the bottom 10% players in terms of, war this year uh like wins above replacement so it's just like it sucks because you if you do lose him in free agency you are losing a key piece in your locker room but at the same time like like alex said it's a business and you know the team needs to make decisions 
that will help the team win now. And I think that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. Um, it's, it's time to move on. Um, I mean, it just kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier and it's time to start building a team with the sight of more than just like your culture. You know, your culture has been built here and Martin have played a big role in that, but now you have to trust in your guys to uphold that culture while also bringing in the kind of players that can win you a championship. And I love Martin Oak. He's a great guy. He's just not that effective of a hockey player. He's just not. And at some point, you know, with that kind of money, it's got to come down to what you're doing between the red lines. And I, I just don't think he's done enough for me lately. All right. As an aside, real quick, who gave Igor Sharon Govich a second place vote in the, in the Calder voting? <laughs> Who gave Josh Norris votes over Alex Nedeljkovic? Hey, Josh Norris had a great season. Norris had a yeah. Josh Norris slander. Come on. It's not slander. How often did you watch Josh Norris? Come on. I no watched don't be hating on him. How many times did I message you talking about the Senators? I said they're <laughs> actually a fun team. They're going to be fun to watch in the future. I watched him, Josh Norris. I like him. I like um, the kid that I was always talking about his shot. What's his Jimmy. name? Huh? Jimmy Stutzel. No, not Stutzel. The kid. Batherson. Oh, yeah, Batherson. Many times I called, I was like, dude, that kid's got a cannon. All right, next on the list is Brock McGinn. Um, another pending free agent, eight-goal season. I feel like seven of those came in the first week of the season. Um, yeah, they really did. Cool off. He, he was, you know, playing high in the lineup and scoring goals. And, you know, first line, Brock McGinn was alive and well. And then down the stretch, we didn't hear a whole lot from him. Uh, he got hurt for a little bit. And, you know, obviously the Hurricanes really missed his place in the lineup. Um, we know how much he brings from an intangible standpoint. He's basically the quintessential grinder on this team. And that's why we've kind of said many times here, that's the one player we do think definitely should stay. Um, Martin Oak probably is out the door, but it, it would kind of be tough for this team to lose both Jordan Martin Oak and Brock again. So I'm hoping the Hurricanes can find a deal with him. Um, he's kind of – you'd like for him to score a little bit more, but he still embodies just about everything you want a Rod Brindamore more player to be. And just for what you're paying him, again, you want a little bit more. And it's like McGinn in the playoffs, especially in the Nashville series, McGinn was great. Um, it's just – I don't know, man. It's just like I've never seen a guy get so many chances that just doesn't score on him. And I feel like that's a lot of the Canes' bottom six is like just a lot of guys who can't finish. Um, McGinn might have to take a pay cut or make around what he's making right now for me to feel comfortable yeah. staying here. And I'm giving yeah. him a C just because I don't think he was anything more than what he has been. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't that. think I've I actually given a C plus in a while, have I? Yeah, you, you haven't. I had a C plus. <laughs> uh, a, lot of, a lot of because of what Matt said. Um, you take away McGinn's seven-game goal streak, and he had one goal in the other 30 games. Um, so, you know, it was a little well, up and down. There was like a five-game stretch where he had like three and five, and then he had like, you know. It was, it was actually a seven-game goal streak. He scored uh, a goal in seven consecutive games. and It was won. actually a seven yeah, games. Yeah, it was actually a seven-game goal streak. No way. I don't yeah. believe you. And then, and then one goal in the other 30 games, um, which is kind of what we expect from God him. God, Lee, that's... 
it's kind of what we expect from him. Like, that's not the most He's... Brock McGinn thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was great in the playoffs, too. But, uh, you know, we, we've expected that over the past couple of years. He always shows up to play in the big moments. I think he's a guy that be almost impossible to replace, uh, especially as a bottom six player. They don't have anybody who can replicate that right now. Um, you know, his heart and his soul is never never questioned. Um, like what Matt said, I'd probably bring him back around the same price, maybe a little bit of a raise, um, just because he's also probably one of the best penalty-killing forwards in hockey. Not many guys I would take to kill a five-on-three over him. I'm going to be dead honest. Um but yeah, uh, he's about a C plus because he did exactly what I expected from him. I uh, hope to see him back, obviously, but uh, I think he kind of is what he is at this point. Cool. All right. Wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, up next is another free agent and the first of our three goalies on the list, uh, Peter Morazic. So. It's hard for me to give a goalie that played in, I don't even know exactly how many games he played in, but he only got the decision in 11. So it's hard for me to give a goalie that only decided 11 games too high of a grade. When he was on the ice, he was spectacular until the very end of the season when he came back and was clearly rusty and he had a couple really rough games. Um, and then in the you playoff, want to just say incomplete? Yeah, I'm I'm at incomplete. Yeah, that's fair. Um, just to finish up my idea. In the playoffs, obviously, he had that stellar start where he got the win against uh, Tampa. Tampa? Was that the Tampa, Tampa series? Yeah, it was the Tampa, Tampa series. Fuck, dude. This series season has not been over for that long, and I'm already like can't remember anything that happened. Anyway, it was a um, forgettable end. Yeah, yeah, he had that great he had that great game against Tampa Bay, and then the very next night which was questionable. He even should have started to begin with. I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but we were asking that question before he got the call. Um, and he got shelled in a game the Hurricanes probably could have won if they had gotten pretty, you know, average goaltending. Um, I don't see him back. And that's just me. Uh, I think we might have talked about this a little bit last week. Um, I think Morazic's probably going to look for a 1A type job and I don't think the Hurricanes are willing to give that to him anymore with the emergence of Alex Nedeljkovic so I think there's a good chance we've seen the last of Peter Morazic in Raleigh yep all right moving right along next on the list is young Czech forward Martin Natchez um a breakout year for the kid in many ways 14 goals and 41 points in 56 games um or however many games he played. I don't have it right here in front of me. 53. Okay, okay, 53. Um, obviously, we see superstar upside with this kid. Uh, the speed, the ability to make plays at top speed, and just how dangerous he is when he has open ice. Um, but another guy that disappeared in the playoffs, and that's the second time that's happened in a row, second year that's happened in a row. Um, so some concerns with Nagus's style of play and basically, this kid just needs to bulk up, and I think the sky's the limit for him. Um, I, I know I've kind of floated his name around in some trade rumors a couple of times here, and, and obviously, there's nothing concrete behind that. I definitely don't think the Hurricanes are looking to trade Nages, but I only have done that because I think the Hurricanes would have to trade a player of his caliber to get some of the guys that I think they need to go after. 
Yeah, if you're looking at like acquiring like an actual star, Natures is probably the first name on a lot of people's lists. I think so too. But uh, but he had a great season. Uh, I'm going to give him an A. Uh, I think he was fantastic, and like I said, he had his breakout um, and was one of the more consistently dangerous players on the Hurricanes roster this year. You see, I was going to give Natures a uh, a B plus. I, I don't right think with you. I don't think he deserves an A. Um, I'm kind of like teeter tottering between a B plus and a B because like Natures was very good in the regular season and like had some moments where I was like, man, this this kid could be like a legitimate star. I just don't think he's there yet. There are still some inconsistencies that like need to be worked out. I think the first half he was great defensively and then was really bad defensively in the second half. Like, I don't know what changed or if teams got like the read on him or what, but I, I think there was a definite drop in his defensive play. And then in the playoffs, I, I can think of one game, and granted it was a big game. Like Nature stole game five against Nashville, and arguably that turned the tide of the first series. But I do agree, you know, there was that only one game where he just he just disappeared. And so I think there's still a lot of work to be done, which is why I, I think I'm going to stick with the B plus. I think the sky is still the limit, but I can't give him an A yet. Yeah, I'm actually right there with Matt. I thought there was a little too much inconsistency uh, during the season. Like some games, he was just absolutely phenomenal. We saw the superstar potential. Um, you know, he's very easy to notice when he's out on the ice. Um, and that that's kind of a reason why you don't notice him as much. Um when he's not really going, uh, I find when, when Natchez isn't contributing a lot, you notice his absence because of how much he sticks out when he's, uh, when he's really on. Um, and I, I just thought there's too many games that uh, there was little inconsistency. He was a bit of a passenger. It wasn't really impacting things the way you'd want him to. Um, and, you know, I thought he was very effective against Nashville. Uh, he was even, he was even getting physical with Eric Halla, uh, stepping toe to toe with him. I thought it was a, a pretty good change from, the playoffs last year, especially against Boston, when he just completely disappeared, uh, looked way overmatched. And then the same thing kind of happened to him against Tampa this year. So he's got a lot of growing to do. Um, you know how high his upside is. Still a very young kid, very bright future. But um, it, it's just I can't give him an A grade either based on the consistency of his year. Um, so I'm right around a B, probably a B plus as well. But uh, I'm, 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 I'm very bullish on his upside. Yeah. So I'll start the next one. And that's Alex Nedeljkovich. And if you guys remember during our midterm <laughs> grades, I gave him a B. And part of the reason why is just because I, I, you know, I wasn't convinced that Ned was the guy yet. You know, I wasn't convinced because, I mean, and I've, I'm still not totally convinced because it is such a small sample size of 23 games, you know. But I'm going to give Ned an A now because he's now established himself as the guy moving forward, you know, at least for the time being. I think his performance in the playoffs was outstanding. I think the Canes largely in these playoffs were terrible and that Alex Nedeljkovic and the goaltending kind of bailed the Canes out on a lot of occasions. And I mean, just his numbers throughout the year were fantastic. There really weren't many games where he, he was shelled. And, you know, credit to him, credit to the Canes defense and the, just the team as a whole. I mean, Ned had a really solid year. And now I'm willing to give him an A now that I've seen more games of him. And I'm, 
a little more convinced that he could be the guy moving forward, you know? Yeah, there, there's there's no question that he was uh, that he was an A grade. I mean, led the league in save percentage, led the league in goals against average, um, almost won the Calder Trophy. He was right there in the mix. Uh, oh, but Alex, those weren't the stats to use, as somebody rudely told me in my mentions. No, oh, well, you know, forget about them. <laughs> but listen, uh, like you said, you brought up how good he was in the playoffs. I thought he was phenomenal. Uh, the Hurricanes goaltending in, in the playoffs as a whole was just phenomenal. Um, you know, even when Maraza came in, he was fantastic. People forget. Uh, in that game four, uh, where, you know, it didn't really go his way uh, when they lost 6-4. He had a couple goals he probably wanted back, but Peter Morozik was the only reason that game wasn't over in the first period. Uh, it, it could have been 5 nothing easily. He stood on his head. Uh, the Hurricanes goaltending in the playoffs throughout was just exceptional. Um, you know, obviously, Nedeljkovic gave them exactly what he gave them in the regular season. This play didn't dip at all. Uh, he stood on his head for a lot of those overtime games against Nashville. Um He's given us real optimism moving forward, uh, finally kind of developing into what we envisioned. You know, we've been waiting for this guy seven years. It's been a long time. Um, and, you know, it looks like our patience has finally paid off where this guy can be a legitimate franchise goaltender. Um, obviously, the sample size is small, like you said, but, I mean, how can you not love the results? So we'll see what happens moving forward, but uh, great season for him in it today. Um, yeah, I don't have much more to add. Uh, you guys covered pretty much all the bases. Nadelkovich is the guy moving forward, and it's good to see Matt finally came around and gave him the grade he deserves. Listen, right. I just wanted to make sure that, you know, we weren't dealing with another, like, you know, Anton Hudobin thing. I'll go with Nino Niederreiter. I'm going to give him, you know what, I'll give him an A, because 20 goals in, a, in 56 games is impressive, given the fact that the Canes only had one other guy with more than 20 goals, and that's Sebastian Ajo. Right. Yeah, yeah. I actually I actually had Niederreiter at, a, at a, an A2. He was on pace for 30 goals over a full season. And, you know, based off his season last year where Hurricanes fans were ready to – they were ready to ship him out for a bag of pucks. I mean, they, they most of the fan base had turned on him. I was like, you know what, let, let's, let's be fair to Nino Niederreiter. He had a, a tough season. He was snake bitten. It just wasn't going his way. Uh, but he bounced back in a big way. We saw how effective he was. Even when he's not scoring, he's very impactful along the wall. Uh, very good on the four check, on the cycle, all kinds of things. A lot of intangibles, great player, and a 30-goal pace. So, I mean, anything less than an A is harsh. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, can't really argue with that. Um, like you said, the only guy on the team other than Sebastian Ajo to score 20 goals. Um, and, I mean, just beyond that, beyond putting the puck in the net, the heaviness he played with, the board battles, the forechecking. He was just fantastic all year long. Yep. And I do want to point out, Niederreiter was a guy that last year I defended a lot because his game his his game definitely had stretches where, and it's only kind of human nature when the puck is just absolutely not going for you. No matter what you're doing, your game's going to slip a little bit. But he also had stretches where he was one of the Hurricanes' best players. He was just doing everything right and couldn't get the puck to go in. So – I'm glad they stuck with him. I'm glad he had yeah. that big bounce back here that he did. Because um, obviously he'd be a buyout candidate by now if he had struggled that badly again with his contract. But Yeah, I think it was more the issue was his contract. Yeah, like, right. With people. But, yeah. Um, but Nino's a good player. He's a good fit. Um, and he had a great season. We'll, we'll check this next one off the list uh, pretty quickly here. Uh, Cedric Paquette acquired for Ryan Dezingle. Useless physical presence. Who wasn't very physical. It's 
a D would probably be generous. It's enough for me. Just didn't provide anything. And, you know, just we, we don't even need to talk about him. Sounds good to me. All right. Um, next on the list is the guy that was probably the Hurricanes MVP for the first half of the year. I think we said that in our superlatives piece, or at least mentioned him as one of the guys. Um, and Brett Pesci. Uh, he had a career year, at least from a rate standpoint, offensively. Actually, that might have been a career high in points, wasn't it? Was 25 his career high? It was close, if not. I'd be surprised. It very well could be. But I'm going to check. I think he was around he had, tw- he had 29 two years ago. Right. Okay, so he had 29 two years ago, 25 this year. Obviously, on a rate basis, that was by far um, superior to his 2018-19 season. Um yeah, Pesci was great. Uh, he kind of had some moments where his defense slipped in the second half of the year, but I, I think that's kind of nitpicking. Um, he definitely gets an A for me, and he just continues to be a cornerstone of the Carolina Hurricanes along with Jacob Slavin. I think it's going to be A's across the board here, huh? Yeah, yeah I mean, probably yeah. so. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I would give him much else. more. You really, hope much the offense to say. Yeah. you really hope the offense sticks, and hopefully next year he can be a 35-point guy. That would go a really long way. Well, I, I will say this. A lot of his production came on the power play, and I'm really hoping that he's not in that situation again uh, yeah. next year because he was just very inconsistent there. Yeah. He just but doesn't anyways. have the IQ for it. You can't really blame him. Yeah. All right, and next up on the list is goalie number three, and that is James Reimer. And Reimer's an interesting case because he's kind of a guy that gets dunked on a lot, but for what he is, Reimer had a very good season. I'm going to give him a B. Um, you know, 15-5-2 and two record. And, you know, and I hate when people point to goalie wins because especially when the eye test, there was definitely times where he didn't pass it. But especially later in the season when he got used in a more appropriate role and Nedeljkovic kind of started to really be the 1A guy, his, his play really stepped up. And that's how James Reimer is supposed to be used anyway. And that's why I wouldn't mind seeing him back next year. If you trust Nedeljkovic to get 45 to 50 games, then James Reimer can be a fine second piece on the Hurricanes next season. I agree. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, I mean, Reimer's record, like you kind of implied, is, is a little misleading because there were times, especially early on this season, where the Canes were scoring a lot of goals and Reimer was also letting a lot in. And he just happened to get the win because the Canes were able to, you know, win games, you know, five, four, six, four, you know. Right. So Reimer gets a B from me as well. And I wouldn't hate to see him back as the backup, like you said. I think, you know, assuming he takes a pay cut, he'd be a very capable backup for us. Yeah, I'm with you guys. It's a B. Um, And I do think a lot of the hate that uh, James Reimer got this year was kind of because of the two guys around him and Peter Morozik and Alex Nedeljkovic, who obviously had, you know, incredible seasons and their success kind of, you know, kind of cast a bit of a shadow on Reimer where they're like, where the fans were like, you know, it's, he's not matching up to these guys, but he did those feel guys like were out the of their literal, mind. He did feel like the literal redheaded stepchild. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> to be fair to him, he was, he was solid all year. Uh, Oh, Listen, no, but I mean, about what we expect out. from him, right? Like, no one was expecting him to be Vesna level or nothing like that. Um, but he gave the Hurricanes a chance to win uh, in every game that he played. And that's about all you can ask from a guy like that. So it's a B for me. All right, cool. Up next, Brady Shea. Um, this is another guy. 
Yeah, I know, I know a lot of people are torn on him. Um, and I've been kind of trying to pump the – well, pump the tires on the Brady Shea hype train for a while now. Um, he's a much better player than he gets credit for. I mean, I'm just kind of going to kind of leave it at that. He gets a B from me. Um, and especially his play down the stretch, I could probably even push that up a little bit higher to at least a B plus because of just especially how good he was on the penalty kill. I mean, his penalty killing was absolutely elite this season. And, um, you know, you would like to see him provide a little bit more offensively. You know, the Hurricanes are probably expecting to get a little bit more offensively from him. Judging from his prior career with the New York Rangers, I think this is a guy that the Hurricanes could actually expect to see more scoring from in the future, assuming he's still on the team next season and doesn't end up being a cap casualty. Um, So, yeah, Shea gets a B for me, and he really – without him, the Hurricanes' blue line probably would have been a mess a lot this year. I'm not going to lie. Um, this is maybe a bit of a weird comparison because they're not really similar players, but Brady Shea kind of reminds me of Justin Falk in a way because they both have these these very, like, just very badly timed mental lapses or just <laughs> yeah. breakdowns in judgment that you're like, what the hell is he doing? And it's just... Yes. I, it just it leaves a, like a bad taste in some fans' mouth, I think, where it's like they they, they question his overall IQ. But he's a very smart hockey player. Um, you know, we saw how much he meant to the Hurricanes in the playoffs, um, especially in that Nashville series. Like, my God, this guy was just incredible. Um, you know, one of the unsung MVPs um, of their playoff run. I'm going to be honest. He really, really went. I was harsh on him early in the season, but uh, he really won a supporter in me big fan of his play I don't really expect him to be very dynamic offensively because nothing I've seen from him over the past couple years has made me believe that he is I just don't see really the the offensive IQ I don't really see a whole lot of vision from him Um, he doesn't really have a go-to move or anything like that but I I do think that you know like Brandon said great penalty killer Um, he can play top minutes for you Um, moves the puck well he just he's just solid he's all around very solid Um, I, I don't think the hate is justified and like I said I think a lot of fans hate on him because he's kind of got that Justin Falk tendency where he just has a, a very bad lapse in judgment or in just concentration or whatever it is um, that, that just kind of gets him caught flat-footed or makes him look like he doesn't know what the hell he's doing out there at times. Um, but he, he's a great player, and uh, I'd probably give his season a B, B, B plus. This is weird because I feel like sometimes we don't watch the same games. <laughs> Because, because with me, I didn't see anything from Shea this season. Really, like, and maybe this is just because I'm still like kind of questioning why we gave up a first round pick for him. But Shea just doesn't do anything for me. He's not super physical, except for like occasionally when he'll make that you know huge hit he tries to do too much offensively and it's just clear that he's not the guy offensively. He makes, like you guys said, so many mental mistakes and he takes a lot of stupid penalties. Yeah. Like I just don't see anything. He doesn't take any more than the guy you just like argued that deserved an A so badly. (laughs) Yeah. But at least Dougie Hamilton does something offensively and defensively. Shea was good on the penalty kill. Whatever. Shea is 10 times better defensively than Dougie is. Buddy, I I can't agree with that. But 
You seriously are trying to tell me Hamilton is a better defender than Brady Shea? Then you really are watching different hockey games than me. Brady Shea just isn't great. And and it's it's nothing against the guy. It's just like he's making so much money to just be kind of okay at everything. And that's just like that doesn't do anything for me. And he, he just makes a lot of mistakes. And it's just like, and again, it kind of is like the Justin Falk thing where a lot of his mistakes, and I could even argue this for Jake Gardner, where a lot of his mistakes are magnified by the fact that they always go in the back of the net. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, I think that's part of the reason why I have trouble liking Brady Shea as a player is because they have, it's because a lot of his mistakes end up being goals against. I mean, just think about how many times, and that's, that's a luck thing really for me more than anything. It's just like, you know, sometimes your goal is going to make the save when you make a mistake and sometimes he's not. Sure. But if you, if you can, work on you know preventing that from happening which is sure but just about every defenseman is going to have stretches where you know they have bad things happen you know Slavin got beat early in the season too okay well sure and and Shea's lows are low and he definitely has games where he struggles a lot but again I feel like that goes for just about every defenseman not named Jacob Slavin Brett Pesci had stretches like that too this season where he got beat or was given the puck up or like was just having struggles and Shea has those too. And I mean, sure, it's just they happen. They and, happened I mean, a lot more often. Yeah, that's just the, that's just I, my. Thing. I don't it's think like, I don't think they were that often. And and I think his highs just about were as good as or higher than his lows. Like he had oh, stretches man. where I would like literally send messages to you guys in the group chat and be like, Shea doing his best slaving impression, and like he'd make this great diving stop stick check or to break up a two-on-one and stuff like that you yeah, had some really good moments for me this season let, let me let me it's not let that me i don't like up. shay he's just okay to me and i don't think okay was good enough this season all right let, let me break you guys up here to finish off the shay stuff with i don't know if it's a hot take but i don't think that brady shay is better than hayden flurry i'm just gonna say it like brady <laughs> shay but i think hayden flurry in that role Bada bing, bada boom. You know what I mean? Yeah, as an Italian, I can I can say <laughs> that I do know exactly what you mean when you say bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> All right. Next up is Jacob Slavin, <laughs> Lady Bing winner. Uh, deserved. Talk you about deserved, man. Jacob Slavin gets an A just for inciting that legendary 72-hour rant by about Damian why he Cox. shouldn't have got it by Damien oh, Cox. <laughs> oh, my God. That might have been the funniest meltdown I've seen from Canadian media since Tom Dundon took over as team owner of the Carolina Hurricanes. He was devastated. I mean, you would have acted like Jake. I mean, you would have thought that Jacob Slavin lit fire to this man's home the way he was just ragging on Jacob Slavin. Which for everybody else, it's just like, oh, look at this guy who doesn't watch the Hurricanes, you know? Yeah. Like... Jacob Slavin took one penalty this year, and it was a puck over the glass penalty. The only real complaint that I can have about Jacob Slavin's season is that I really wish that we saw more offensively from him in the regular season, but I thought he more than made up for it in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, all, all I'm really going to say about uh, Slavin is this. Like he, we, we all know what Jacob Slavin means to the team, right? But I, all I'm going to really say about his season is imagine getting mad about the Lady Bing Trophy 
Like, it's just such a weird hill to die on. Who you know what I mean? Like, it's the, the Lady like, Bing Trophy. Like, who who really cares, right? It's I don't just... care about any of the NHL awards. It's like if a Canes player wins it, cool. But it's like yeah. the NHL yeah, like awards the, the are the just Lady kind Bing? of like a thing. Yeah, no, nobody cares about the Lady Bing. I think like, we seriously. can move on. <laughs> I don't know. Weird, weird hill to die on. Weird brand to set for yourself. But, I mean, he, he got the attention he wanted, right? So, good, good for him. But, uh, like, my God, man. Right. Not so, all attention is good attention, I'm just saying. Right. By the way, Slavin only gets a B-plus for me, just bec- and it's not really his fault. But by his standards, this entire year wasn't really up to his standards. I, um, I do agree. I was yeah. more just saying an A because of that for the memes. Yeah, okay, that's fair. But, yeah, Jordan Stahl is the next one on the list, and he gets an A from me just because I do think this was Jordan Stahl's best offensive season as a Hurricane. Oh, definitely was. was yeah. it, I, I would argue that his it was his best all around. I, I was going to say it was his best season for me. Yeah, I think he's getting days across the board. Probably um, yeah, ridiculous. Unanimous. If if Stahl can be that again moving forward, I, I don't think it's something you want to hold your breath for 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 happening. But um, I mean that changes the complexion of this hockey team because if that's your three C, if he's continuing to give you that kind of production offensively too. I mean, hell, how many teams are going to have the kind of depth the Hurricanes have down the middle? And that's that's going to take you a long ways. If you can continue to supplement the wingers, if Andre Svechnikov can bounce back, the guy that we're going to talk about next, um, I, you know, that's raises this team's ceiling substantially, just what they have in-house, and makes, uh, you know, filling out the rest of the roster a whole lot easier. Because depth scoring is something we've talked about a lot, is what this team, you know, needs to take that next step. And, uh, you know, having Jordan Stahl legitimately be a big-time offensive threat like that, it's going to go a long way. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I think uh, this year was actually the first year that I could have sat there and said and, and made, like, a, le- a legitimate justification for the money Jordan Stahl is making. Like, I thought he was worth every penny of that $6 million this year. Um, you know, we've always, th- we've always talked about a little bit of an overpayment there uh, just for what he brought offensively. But this year, he's worth every damn penny of that. And let me let me tell you, I will take solo captain Jordan Stahl any day over co-captain Jordan Stahl. Any day. Yeah, I mean, 58% of his face-offs, he won 135 hits, um, you know, almost 19 minutes of ice time per game, seven power play goals, 38 yeah. overall oh, yeah. points, like just he was, like, across he was the immense. board. He was immense, and uh, like I said, it's the first year that I, I could really justify his price tag. Mm. All right, three guys left. We'll try to get through these pretty quick so Matt can go to sleep um, and Brandon can go to sleep because he is also very, very tired. Hear me out here a little bit. I can't give Svechnikov more than a C. And again, we grade this on a curve. This is simply because he's already established himself, even at age 21, as a premier talent in the National Hockey League. The Hurricanes needed more from him this season. That's the bottom line. And they didn't really get it. Um, he's fighting a lot of things right now. He's still learning how to get the most out of his ridiculous package. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have worded it quite like that. Congrats um, to Andre Svechnikov on his ridiculous package. <laughs> Oh, there's the title of the podcast right there. <laughs> yeah, for real. Andre Svechnikov's ridiculous package. <laughs> um, his oh. toolkit offensively. That's what I should have said. Getting the most out of his skill set. 
But ultimately, and, and you know, the other thing, you know, beyond fighting with his ridiculous package, um, was <laughs> he's learning NHL referees, I guess, and learning how to. Well, I, you know, it's it's kind of hard to say learning how to play within their rule books when he has a different rule book than yeah, the guys I mean, he's going up against. Hopefully, that's going to come. Rule book, man, it's, it's yeah. so weird. We're not going to get into NHL refereeing because we really will be here all night. Um, we, you know, we've seen the NHL playoffs. I'm guessing if you're listening to this podcast, you've seen a good bit of the NHL playoffs, and you've seen how consistently god awful the officiating has been. Yep. Um. But Sveshnikov still has as high of a ceiling as anybody in the league, not named Connor McDavid, in my opinion. Um, so, you know, the future's still very bright for him. He just has to continue to mature, continue to learn how to, you know, not get taken away from your game. Even when things don't go your way, you have to stick with it. You have to continue to be who Andre Sveshnikov is. So next year is going to be big for him in, you know, learning that. Yeah, the only thing I can really add is, like, Svech was very good in the Tampa series, and I'd say he was one of the Canes of only good forwards in that series, you know? Yeah. That's like, the first half of the season, he was phenomenal, and then he just disappeared, and it's like, the, the inconsistency bothered me. I'm going to give him a B, but, yeah, that's just, like, He's going to have to be more consistent. Yeah, I'm with Matt because I actually thought in like the first month of the season or so, I thought Andrei Svechnikov was a Hurricanes best player. Never mind best forward. I thought he was probably their best player. He just looked like he was primed to break out. He was going to take over the league. He just looked like an unstoppable force. I'm going to be honest. Like I thought he was just phenomenal. And then like you guys said, it kind of tapered off from there. Some inconsistencies. We've seen his old habits come back to plague him. You know, his discipline has never been good. It's getting worse. Um, it's just he, he he just looks like a guy who gets frustrated. You can tell he cares so much. Um, his emotions get the better of him sometimes. But I mean, he's got the entire uh, like 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 Brandon said, he's got that ridiculous package. You know that <laughs> that uh, like listen, this guy when he figures it out and puts everything together, he's got all the ingredients right, and uh, he's gonna be uh, he he's gonna be a main course in the in this league one day. Um, like he you you just. The sky is the limit for this guy. It's just about putting it together, continuing to work with him, and you know, with Rod Brendamore in charge, who better than uh, to bring Rod to bring uh, Andrei Svechnikov along in his development? So, it, it's a B, but uh, I'm not down on Svech at all. I think uh, he's going to be a phenomenal forward, and uh, I'm excited to see what his contract's going to look like. I agree, Alex. When Andrei Svechnikov figures out his ridiculous package, God help us all. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a snack. All right. Two players left, um, and on one of them, we might be going with another incomplete grade because we take the coward's way out here. It's tracking the storm, uh, and that is Tabo Teravainen. He didn't play that much, um, but you saw how much of a lift he gave this team when he got back and seemed to be you know, mostly healthy. Um, he kind of was a little quieter than you would have liked to see him in the playoffs. I think SAT as a whole could have stood, you know, they, they, they weren't great. Aho was definitely the Hurricanes' best player in the playoffs, in my opinion. Um, but I, I think as a whole, SAT had some struggles, and you could kind of tell that they hadn't been together for a majority of the season. I think it's just the shortened season and the fact that, like, 
Tavo had only played in 20 games. This, right, that's what I'm saying. Games this season, like, yeah. Again, like, there just isn't enough of a sample size to really give you a fair grade for Tavo Terravinen. Because again, he played in less than half the season. Right. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, he's back guys. next year and uh, fully healthy, and we don't have to worry about being without him. I would like to see a full year of SAT. I think if those three guys can really get a full year to build chemistry and really mesh, then the Hurricanes are going to take off as a whole because that line is going to take off, and Sveshnikov is going to take off, and his package is going to get even bigger. Congrats <laughs> yeah. to him, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm, um, you know, honestly, when when Termani came back from his injury, um, I actually thought he was. A noticeable, noticeable difference maker. Uh, you saw how he really picked up the top six. That's kind of when their power play started to figure things out again a little bit, especially more fluid. Uh, you know, just his movement on the power play, his puck movement especially, it's just it's phenomenal. Um, he's just such a threat out there. And uh, like I said, uh, I think he definitely gave the team a big spark. He didn't really have a good start to the season, but, you know, with COVID and everything going on, you can't really blame him. I'm still giving him an incomplete, but, uh, you know, you definitely saw what he means to the group. Um, based on how they looked without him versus how they looked with him. Um, and then, so we'll move on to the last guy now with uh, Vincent Jocek, his first full season with the Canes since coming over in that trade last uh, last winter. You know, he had 43 points in 47 games, 17 goals. I find it hard not to give him an A. I mean, for for a large portion of the year, he was exactly what you look for in a, in a 2C. Um, he was the exact guy that, you know, the Hurricanes were looking for uh, for the past x amount of years i mean he's provided exactly what uh, we hope that they that they could find uh, as far as his net front goes he's physical for a smaller guy uh he's annoying to play against like just he, he checks all the boxes uh, and he really rounded out their top six but i will say especially later on in the season and kind of transitioning into the playoffs a bit i, I do think his play kind of declined a little i'm, I'm gonna be honest um I didn't think he was nearly as effective in the playoffs as he was, especially early on and midway through the season. Um, he didn't really have quite the impact that I was hoping. Um, and, you know, kind of kind of him not really falling off, but not quite doing what we think we know he's capable of um, in the playoffs. I think that's a big reason they didn't get over the hump against Tampa, because when Tampa's non-top guys, um, like they're more secondary and, and depth pieces really stepped up. The Hurricanes didn't, and Vincent Trocek is a big part of that group, and they just didn't quite get what they needed from him. Um, you know, and now he's heading into the con- into a contract year. It's going to be a huge year for him and the team to see if this is going to be, you know, kind of a long-term fit or what's going to happen next year. So it's going to be interesting. Um, I'm still going to give him an A just because of, you know, how, how impactful he was for the team and how valuable he was. But um yeah, I, I definitely don't think he finished as strong as he started. Yeah, I have nothing to add here. Trocek was great this season, fell off a little bit at the end, and then in the playoffs a little bit. But I mean, you know, all in all, I think it was a really good season. Yeah, uh, I think people kind of forget just how good he was almost because of how much he struggled at the very end of it. Um, but he still was nearly a point-per-game player. He was third on the team in goals, if I'm not mistaken. Um, 56% in the faceoff dot. He was physical at over a hundred hits in the 50 or 47 games he played. Um, he was really, really good. Probably arguably the hurricanes best player for a long stretch of the season. Um, you just hope he can get back to being that player moving forward. You know, you hope as inconsistent as his career has kind of been, which a lot of that has been because of injuries, you know, so most of his struggles in Florida were injury related. You know, not not looking 100% when he got back. 
So you hope that coming back next year, you see the same Vincent Trocheck that you saw for a majority of this season. Yeah, yeah, and it's also going to be a question of two, uh, especially at his age. He's going to be 28 uh, next month. You know, with the way he plays, how long can he last playing at this kind of a high level? Um, that's definitely going to be a thing to watch um, when it comes to a long-term contract extension because, yep. you know, he's he's only played about 500 NHL games total, but, you know, a lot of hard miles on his body uh, with the way he plays, uh, especially at his size, 5'10", 180 pounds, doesn't shy away from any hit, finishes all his checks, goes to the dirty areas. Um it's definitely going to be, you know, kind of a situation of how long is he going to be able to play at this level? Um, you know, and that's going to be a big thing to weigh when you're talking about a long-term deal for this guy. Yeah. So that's it, folks. Those are our grades for the Carolina Hurricanes um, 2021 season. I, I think, you know, all in all, it was a good regular season, very disappointing playoffs. But I mean, in a weird year like this, like, you know, I think it's okay. Uh the off season still is ramping up and it's kind of funny that we're doing this now. Uh, like the grades now, <laughs> but like, you know, the future still is as bright as it ever has been. And like, you know, pretty soon we're going to start getting into our draft coverage. I think in the next couple of weeks, we're going to start uh, giving you all some, some names to kind of keep an eye on. I know that um, shameless plug here. I've started working on, uh, draft profiles for um, some targets for the Canes in the draft started with Oscar Olausen um, Tuesday if you're hearing it later but um, he's a guy that if he falls to the Canes I'd love to have him definitely a, a very quick winger um, that could be a scoring threat in transition there are just some issues with his game that um, might make Rod Brindamore not trust him you know uh, but definitely check that out I think it uh, that the draft could be really fun this year. And folks, as always, thank you for joining us. And it's a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan.